At Morgan Stanley, old school hard work meets bold new thinking. At 88 years old, we still see the world with the wonder of new eyes, helping you discover untapped possibilities and relentlessly working with you to make them real. Old school grit, new world ideas. Morgan Stanley. To learn more, visit morganstanley.com slash why us. Investing involves risk. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, LLC. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour, the moment of truth for tech and AI. Both of those trades, as NVIDIA reports earnings in just about four hours, that stock has surged this year more than doubling. We discuss all that is riding now on that release. Joining me for the hour today, everybody's at Post 9 today. Joe Terranova, Kerry Firestone, Surat Saiti, Steve Weiss. Let's check the markets. We are uh, right around the lows in terms of the Dow, down 265. NASDAQ's under some pressure, about 1% as well. There's the S&P, broader market under pressure too. Watching the debt ceiling, obviously, just coming off of the speaker's comments there. Still some considerable work to do, uh, it appears, to get to a deal. But, Surat, let's start with NVIDIA, okay? Um, you trimmed it. I did. Back in February. And I was, I'm sorry for you. It's, because it's up 30% since you did that. I, I actually, yes, I'm sorry, but I'm not. Because you've got to take profits when stocks like this do really, really well. Now, it's doubled, you know, for the year. On a valuation basis, you're buying this because of AI. You're buying this for the future. But, you know, we've talked about this in the past. Make sure your position sizes are okay because this stock could move 20% after hours. And if it's too much of your portfolio, like any one stock is, just make sure that you know why you're owning it. We have owned it for a long time. We took some profits. We still own it. And if it pulls back, I'll buy more. Yeah, Jim Breyer was on the network from the CEO Summit, Joe, a little while ago. He used a golf analogy to talk about the hype around AI said we're just on the second hole. Uh, and that's in terms of how much AI has to grow. He likened it to the Internet circa 95. He's super bullish on NVIDIA, as he said, which you own in the T. So I think <clears throat> I think today what's going to happen is the 2023 stock market MVP. You're going to understand from Jensen Wong and management if we're able to validate in the form of some evidence these excitement surrounding AI. It's not so much in the earnings that are going to be reported today, but I think it's more about the guidance. We already know that there's been a slowdown in cloud spending that's going to impact the data center. That comes, obviously, through Amazon and Microsoft. So you'll see that slowdown. Maybe. Maybe. Ultimately, Maybe. But it, it really is about the energy and excitement that surrounds this name. And this is the name. This is the name. As I said before, I'll call it the MVP. It's 15% below its all-time high. I think it's getting there. Is it getting there today? I have no idea. Is it going to pull back? Listen, you know, you're guessing on estimates. I think it's built up enough positive momentum that the stock will be okay, even on a decline. But I think this is bigger than NVIDIA. This is really about the thesis of AI. And is it ultimately going to confirm this excitement? What about this Weiss of what Breyer said? We're on the second hole. You play golf. Uh, not well, but you do play. Uh, so at least you understand the analogy. Um, he could have said we're in the woods. You know, we're way in the trees. Crash the cart. But, ser- but seriously, yeah. um, this moment that we're in to a- attempt to justify yep. valuations. And it, it, for that matter, if you want to try and justify NVIDIA's, which, you know, he, he 
he was raving about. Yeah. So first of all, thanks for caddying for me yeah, all those you're rounds. Welcome. You're welcome. Um, Look, I, I think the hype is justified, but at what price? So NVIDIA, despite it being well off its high, or, or off its high, I don't know if it's well off its high, its PE is at an all-time high. So I had some misses along the way over the last couple of years. So what do you pay for? To Surratt's point, it's very prudent to take profits, because while you are in the early innings, you know, or early holds, uh, I think it'll continue to go. But there are going to be bumps along the way. What I like about NVIDIA is that they're basically agnostic as to who the winner is. So for all these companies to come out and say, we're AI, we're AI, NVIDIA doesn't really care, right? Because they're doing it. So you want to be the tools in something like this. You don't want to be the one trying to get your AI sure. application Well, through. that's why the pure, However, the pure right. players, right. Carrie, are, are the ones that have really run the most in terms of year to date, whether it is NVIDIA, which is more than a double, it's 107%. It's Microsoft is 31, Alphabet 37. You put Amazon in there at 39, Meta's 105. These are percentage gains just on the year. Apple, right. which uh, I had a portfolio manager yesterday in uh, on the closing bell suggest that Apple was the top two way to play this whole AI boom. So those are the stocks in the, in the conversation. Yeah. yeah. Well, I would say that today, NVIDIA, or later, NVIDIA will be the poster child for mega cap tech and communications. I mean, everybody has their eyes on it because this is the group that has led the market. I mean, they account for 80% of the return on the S&P year to date, these 10 names. So they have to hold up their part of the bargain for the market to continue to love these stocks and pile into them as the names that will continue to move higher despite whatever is going on around them. And that's a heavy load for NVIDIA to be lifting. Uh, I hope they can do it. That's one of the uh, key questions. You you really highlight it um, with all that is riding on this to, to the market itself. Yeah. And you really think it's, it's a significant level yeah. that, that's riding on it. Well, I, I think that we've seen the other companies report, and none of, none of them had great earnings. They had earnings that were good enough, and they all talked about AI. I mean, there were people analyzing how many times they mentioned AI in everybody's, um, you know, uh, transcript and, and calls. So, mm -hmm. you know, I would say that NVIDIA is going to do the same. The numbers should look good, but let's hope they continue to stress how much they can grow over the next 20 12 months, because that's going to help with all those other stocks and the market as a whole. You, you made, Joe, um, some moves in the market that, yeah. that I would, I, I, I saw these and I thought, really? Like, you sold, yeah, so we're going we're gonna to have a conversation. <laughs> okay, let's, let's do it. Let's do AMD first, right? You, you sold half of your position in AMD. I sure did. And I'm like, for somebody whose entire investment thesis is built on quality and momentum. Mm -hmm. It's what you do. Mm -hmm. It's how you manage your ETF. What is wrong with this? It's up 21% in a month. It's up 36% in three months. Mm -hmm. It's up 39% in six months. And I'm sure you believe that it's a quality name. Absolutely. So why in the world would you sell half of your position? Up 13% in two weeks, I have to pay for my daughter's Taylor Swift tickets. No, I'm no, serious. No, I'm joking with you, obviously. That's a um, reason. It's, it's a risk management. It's really about risk management. And it's going into a NVIDIA tonight, and understanding that there could be uh, a second derivative 
from whatever NVIDIA is going to uh, report. So you're up 13% in a trade. And I define this, by the way, Scott, as a trade. Let's keep in mind the Joe T ETF does not own AMD. This is a trade in which I said in early May that we were beginning to see momentum builds positive. You've captured 13% in two weeks. Mm -hmm. You have NVIDIA reporting this evening. It makes total sense to ring the register on half the trade, put a stop in at your buy price, which is $95, and not turn a winning trade into a losing trade. Now, there is a little bit more to this related to what my thoughts are with the market, because I think you're at the end of squeezing as much juice out of this midterm election rally that we've had since November, which has reached about 9%. I'm a big believer in statistics. And you know I've said with you in recent weeks, I think Q3, you've got a high probability of a negative performance quarter coming for the market. So that kind of all plays into the reasoning. Sell half, ring the register. It's a winning trade and let the other half go. Okay. So do you own NVIDIA personally or just in the Joe T? I own NVIDIA um, in the Joe T. Okay. So if if you could, would you ring the register on NVIDIA too? Because some of the same Great things question. that you describe about AMD, how could they not exist for NVIDIA as well? A stock that's gone up tremendously, make a good amount of money on it. You think the market squeezed a lot of the juice that it's going to get out of this orange so to speak. So what's if, up? If, what's I, up? if I had the ability to sell NVIDIA, um, understand that we put NVIDIA on at the end of April at 277. Stock is sitting here at 300. I think it takes out its all time high. I also think NVIDIA is in a much stronger fundamental position to be a leader in generative AI than ultimately AMD is. And the other interesting fact about NVIDIA you know, Carrie made a point about a lot of earnings not being so good so far. But when you look at the semiconductor industry, you've had 28 S&P 500 semiconductors that have reported. 23 have actually beat on earnings. The one, listen, the disaster was Micron. I get that. Now, what have analysts done surrounding NVIDIA? They've only revised revenue so far year to date for NVIDIA up 2%. You would think they would revise it a lot more. All right. So um, among everything else that's going on today, we do have some breaking. We're going to get back to this conversation in a moment. But let's go to Steve Leisman because Fed Governor Chris Waller is speaking right now out in California. Steve, what's uh, what's he saying? A little unsatisfying, Scott. Uh, Fed Governor Waller is saying it's unclear at this point whether at the June meeting the Federal Reserve should hike should it skip or should it pause at the next meeting? You'll note he doesn't talk about the possibility of a cut and no mention, by the way, of the debt ceiling. What he says is he's looking to major data releases over the next three weeks to make up his mind. That includes the PCE inflation numbers we get on Friday, as well as the May CPI. And you have a job support coming before the Fed meets in mid-June. Inflation data, here's the three things he talks about. Just based on the inflation data, he says that says the Fed should hike. But add in the banking uncertainty, maybe the Fed should skip a meeting. Add in the policy lags, as in from all of the tightening to this point and the credit tightening. That suggests the Fed should pause, as in be done. However, he goes on to say the Fed should not stop 
until it's clear that inflation is moving back to its 2% target. The inflation fight, he says, for him continues to be the priority. Economic activity has slowed, the labor market is tight, and inflation is too high. Uh, he says slowing lending can offset the need for tighter monetary policy. And he warns that if the Fed doesn't take this into account enough, the Fed could tighten too much and raise the risk of a recession to the economy. There are some signs that the labor market is cooling. Temporary help, he says, is down for the third straight month. Job vacancies are declining. And the quit rate in the jolt support has indeed fallen. He's concerned about the lack of progress on inflation. And he says some inflation gauges, some of the more narrower gauges that he follows, show no progress at all in the past year. Housing market is rebounding recently, and it raises questions about whether the rent component will continue to decline. He's finally concerned that service inflation won't decline if wages do not decelerate. Scott, this is an unusual report. First of all, we know Waller as a as pretty well a, a, a pretty dyed-in-the-wool hawk on these issues, but he's unclear at this point. Uh, he's taking account of the banking issues. Doesn't say the debt ceiling, but my guess is he's also taking account of that in his thinking about what the Fed should do in June. Scott? Yeah, you highlighted the word that matters most, I think, Steve, and that's unclear. Uh, and the market is going to, you know, disseminate and decipher what yeah. he is exactly uh, and, uh, thinking uh, ahead of, uh, you know, the, the next month's meeting. Uh, Scott, just just one more thing. We, we I can't give you a true read on what's happening in the Fed funds market. The uncertainty about the default is raising rates on the short end. That's bleeding over into the funds market. It shows it's tightened, but we don't know if that tightening is simply from the effects of concern about default, as in people exiting those short-term notes, or there's some other actual betting going on about what the Fed's going to do in June. Yeah, I'm looking at the one month, three months, six months, right. uh, exactly. one year, all above 5%. Um, one, three, and six have been. Uh, it's just the one year getting above 5% has happened in the last couple of days. Steve, thank you. Sure, pardon. That's Steve Leisman wrapping the latest from Chris Waller out in California, latest uh, version of uh, FedSpeak. Uh, let's get back to our conversation about tech. Surat, I'm coming back to you. Um, you're trimming Meta. I am. And, I'm, I'm, you know, look, it was 90 a few months ago, and we kept the position we added to it. It's now becoming a, a larger position in my portfolio. So, again, risk management. Let me take some profits and kind of redeploy some of that capital because it's done everything we wanted to do, right? He is at cut expenses. He's, he's focused on the business. So it's, it's still a core position, but it's just become supersized. So let me just cut it back. So what are you doing with the money? You just keeping it in cash for the time being? No, I, I've redeployed it into healthcare. That's kind of where- oh, We'll I, talk about that in yeah. a minute. Are you, I mean, are you of the feeling too that Joe sounds like he's getting a little, a little cautious on where the market is? Yes. Are, are you as well? I'm just cautious on valuations on certain parts of the market, especially tech, with all these stocks running so fast and so far. And look, my core positions are in Google and Meta, and I own them, but I've just been trimming them back. When, you, when you're up 20, 30, 40%, and some of these 100%, you just you can't wait for things to happen again like we did with Meta last year. I mean, it's, it was, it's up 100% Meta because it got pile-drived. Right. Last year. And, and then we added more when it got pile drive, even though, you know, people were like, why would you touch the stock? Right. So the same thing with Google last year when it was down as well. So the positions then become supersized because when it does really well and the rest of the portfolio is, hasn't done as well, you have to take some of the profits and redeploy it into other areas, especially where valuation really matters going forward. Carrie, I mean, every day we have seemingly more calls on, on mega cap tech. Yeah that remain overwhelmingly positive. Mizuho calls Amazon a top second half pick. They raise the price target to 160. And the, the list goes on and on and on. They're holding their shareholder meeting today. Meta, high conviction call list. You own Meta. Yeah. You've 
witnessed and enjoyed the same gains that that Surratt has. Are you thinking along the same lines of maybe taking some profits? risk management? Yeah. Well, we've done some risk management, not yet on Meta. Uh, unanimity, as we all know, is the curse for, for the market. When everybody agrees, right. you know, you got to start looking the other way. So uh, it, it makes us nervous when one report after another comes out that, you know, super bullish, big, strong conviction, solid growth. I mean, I read, I read the note today and I thought to myself, hmm, you know, where, where, where is the point that we start trimming? We haven't done it yet because it's 14 times next year's numbers. Those are the numbers that we're using, and we think there is more room to, to go. It's a big position for us, not as big as Google and a couple of other names. Yeah, I, I, look, I, I think that trimming NVIDIA is prudent, uh, trimming AMD because it's up on speculation of an AI chip that will compete with NVIDIA. Nothing's really been announced. It's absolutely a brilliant, brilliant trade. So take that money and go home. In terms of meta, I don't own it. Numbers are pretty interesting for next year. Yeah. There are always risks to the story. But I think now the market's become very comfortable with those risks. So you trim because it's become a too, too big a position, Correct. not because you're really concerned right. with the valuation. Right. And that's the way to look at it. In terms of Microsoft, Microsoft to me is the premier play. In, in AI and a perennial compounder because of their new product suites that are going to keep coming out, a recurring subscription model, and Google is another perennial compounder. So I'm not trimming it at this point, and I'm looking to add to Microsoft. Joe, you also sold half your position in Datadog yeah. at $93.25. Why'd you do that? Bought it at 85, going to keep the other half. I still believe that this is going to be critical in monitoring applications attributable to generative AI. But in the instance here, it's about momentum that finally appears in a name. It builds, it gathers more momentum, and the momentum is slowly beginning to wane a little bit. You ring the register, you take the profit, you hold the rest. It cannot be a losing trade from here. There's a good thesis behind this trade. I'm gonna hold the other half. Is that in the Joe T? It is not. Okay. All right. Um, Steve Weiss. Yes, sir. I got the feeling in the last, I don't know, 10 days that you had grown a little more positive. People are left. They're wondering where I'm going with this. <laughs> Me too. They're, they're, hoping, they're hoping that I've got something to needle you on good. You and I don't know if I do. I don't know if I do. I'm thinking as I go. I'm hoping that I do. But it, it felt like you had become a bit more positive over the last 10 days uh, on the market. So, so yeah. you've got <laughs> a couple people on now. the panel today <laughs> who are looking at taking profits in some of their positions. They, you know, they say it's for risk management or this position's got too big because the stocks are up a lot. Uh, I'll take that at, at face value for, for yep. what it is, not on valuation or, or, or what have you. Uh, are you wavering at all, trying to become a little more positive overall, or not? No, uh, I'm not positive on the market. Uh, that's not changing. I don't see that, you know, you know, you'll get a bounce if the Fed, if, if uh, McCarthy and Biden do agree on something, obviously, but that bounce will put you back to where it was before we had the sell-off today and yesterday and maybe tomorrow. But no, what, what, I'm, what I'm willing to do is to add more positions because my equity exposure is so low. I mean, I own more treasuries than stocks right now by a very large margin. Mm -hmm. so, so no, I'd say that, you know, as I said last week, maybe a little bit 
more, I'm a little bit confused on the market and surprised by the resilience. But when you talk to uh, permabills like, like Farmer Jim, and say, and they keep extolling how they're so right in the market, 4,200, and then you ask them, okay, do you own NVIDIA? No. Do you own Microsoft? No. Do you own, and you can go down the line because it's only been seven stocks. So my view in the market's been right and correct. My view on Meta and mm -hmm. NVIDIA have been wrong, but I'm comfortable with that. So, so, the, so the succinct answer to your question is, no, I'm not looking to become more positive in the market at this okay. point in time. Let me, let me ask you this, Joe, uh, because our chart of the day is Palo Alto, which is surging on earnings. Um, Great call by Jason Snipe. You've continued to make the case that CrowdStrike is the name to own in this space. Others would say it's Palo Alto, and today might be evidence of that, they would suggest. You wish you owned Palo Alto instead of CrowdStrike? Others are correct so far. They are. And I owned Palo Alto in the past. I do wish I owned it. Why'd you, why'd you get out of Palo Alto and into CrowdStrike? Because sometimes in this game, you make a mistake. Um, I believed that CrowdStrike would pull forward a lot of market share gains quicker than they actually did. I still think they could pull forward those market share gains, but this, you know, this game, you, you're going to make mistakes, and that on that one, I made a mistake. Those are stocks I'd like to own as well, by the way, at some Didn't point. You owned CrowdStrike. I own Palo Alto, and it was a great trade. made 20% in about a month, and like Joe and AMD, I, I took it off. Um, I don't think it's cheap. However, if you look out a few years, and I'm not willing to do it at this valuation level because of my market view, I'll get another choice. But AI is going to create you know, the need for more of this because think of what you can do with AI with that additional computing power in terms of hacking. So you're going to need a response from Palo Alto, from the, from the security companies. Mm -hmm. So their importance just went up. I mean, it's not like CrowdStrike's a bad trade, and I don't want to... Not at all. In, in any way... But it's not Palo Alto. It's not Palo Alto. But you also don't need to own one. Why can't you own both? Ask Joe. You know, Joe would own both. In, I mean, you're, you've, no, you've no objection to owning two stocks in the same sector. Listen, uh, you know, I'm just going to answer with humility. Does anyone think that in investing, everyone gets 100 on the test? You just no. don't. That's what this game is. Sometimes you make mistakes. The cybersecurity thesis is valid. For sure, in the present and into the future, right now, I'm riding the wrong horse. The right horse to ride was Palo Alto, but I'm on CrowdStrike. Hopefully, CrowdStrike is going to pick up. But it's up. also, not to be too nice to because that's really contra character for me. Yeah, but, really. But I, I don't know. what I, I might have to leave. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I, I wish you would. Go ahead. But, uh, you know, the story Unfortunately, you'd out. end up probably running to this chair, oh, and yes. I'll save no. America. And then we're leaving. Yeah. I'll save America from that. But the story is too soon to have a conclusion. So maybe CrowdStrike does outperform form over the next six months. Why is it it's always, though, I do, to your point, I feel like it's always either or. I don't think it has to be. I don't think it should be. I think risk management, again, you don't just make one concentrated bet. I think that diversification is the enemy of performance, but that's not too much diversification owning two cybersecurity companies. And add Fortinet in that conversation and credit oh, right. Stephanie, Stephanie Link, Link with right. that call because that one uh, is near a 52-week high as well. Yeah. All right. Uh, you keep us updated on that, as I know you will. Up next, we're tracking more trades. Carrie is making some moves as well, uh, several of them that we need to tell you about from her, her, her portfolio. We'll do that next. 
It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. Edward Jones, who knows that just like life, financial planning isn't only about long-term goals. It's about the moments big and small along the way. And when it comes to achieving everyday financial goals, Edward Jones works hard to connect you with someone you can trust professionally and personally. That's why they created their free financial advisor matching tool to help you find a financial advisor in your community. When you take the quiz and get your matches, don't expect just a list of resumes. You'll also see each financial advisor's story and personal interests. And when it's time to meet for the first time, they'll focus on your story, asking questions to understand where you're headed and why. Because Edward Jones knows that at the end of the day, behind every financial goal is a life goal. And that's what really matters. To learn more and find your financial advisor partner, take the quiz at match.edwardjones.com. All right, we are back. All right, Carrie, um, you got a lot of stuff to get through here. So let's do the four stocks that you bought more of. Mm -hmm. And you can pick any one of the four Mm -hmm. and tell me which one you have maybe the highest conviction level on. I'll leave leave it to you. Charter Communications, NextEra Energy, Thermo Fisher, and United Health. Yeah. All right, so those are all buys more. Yes. Talk to me. Okay, so of those, let me just mention UNH because I think it's a controversial stock right here. Um, what we did was look at the entire portfolio in terms of you know valuation, fundamentals, operating risks, and we decided with UNH that it had a really rough first start of the year. I mean, it had been a strong stock and then weakened. This is um, a company that has an awful lot of depth, an awful lot of financial strength, and there's been a fear that the debt ceiling problems would, would hurt because Medicare is one of their big payers. There is no way that the federal government is not going to pay Medicare bills. And where the stock was trading, we just thought this is a time to step up and add to the position. It was a big position. We added more. And it's a safe, defensive type name. On a day like this, which is what we've been worried about, it's a stock that will outperform. What's the yield? Does it have a yield? Point, yeah, it's like two point three. Yeah, it's pretty low. Yeah, it's two. It's in the two. So, so it's you know. I mean, I'm wondering why don't why hasn't it worked this year? What's well, what's been the issue? Well, first, big outperformer last year. I mean, very big outperformer sure, last year. For sure. And because if there's a concern about payment, whether it's Medicaid, remember, you know, Medicaid is paid by states, but states get a lot of funding from the federal government. So that's a risk. And Medicare is the federal government. I, I think that was a big weight, has been a weight on the stock. And I, I'm not to say it, it isn't justified. Of course, it's a concern. Everything about what the government pays yeah. is a risk. But we thought it was overly uh, factored into the stock price. The, the, the other issue, since I own it, really is they've been such a juggernaut. They've got such immense market share. Mm-hmm. How do they continue to grow going forward as they have in the past? 
frankly, if the growth slows down somewhat, who cares? They've got just an incredible business where because of their size, they can really control their margins more so than smaller companies like this. Well, so I think it's very business. attractive. I mean, that, that's been a well, great move of yeah. the company. So really to me, smart. this goes into my perennial compounder category. Yeah. Sarat, I know, I know you own it too. Yeah. Um, you own Thermo Fisher a- as well. Talk, tell me about company. this one as Kerry buys more of that too. Fabulous company. I mean, this company is to your, you know, the NVIDIA. It, it, it is, you need this and all the other healthcare companies need Thermo Fisher, whether you're J&J or Bristol or whoever. And it's been a serial compounder. They've been doing a bunch of acquisitions. They did very well during COVID and the stock pulled back, obviously, because most of their products weren't being used. But going forward, the demand for their products is really, really large. So we, we like them. Margins are really good. Great man management team, okay. and they're always looking for acquisitions. It's right. on my buy list, by the way, yeah. because you it's can't. It's never been cheap, though. You GMO. Does no, never will cheap. be cheap, it, it, so it's a market that's yeah. going to do it, but you cannot, I'm in the private markets a lot, you really can't talk to, uh, you know, I'd say 75% of the healthcare market yeah. without their name coming up as a provider. The pandemic-related yeah. revenue clouded the fundamental sure. story yes. around this company. And if you look at Q1 COVID testing, yeah. absolutely declined. Right. Life sciences declined as well. So mm-hmm. that's where you, you kind of have to get past the yeah. impact of, pan, of the pandemic. I think they you were, were. They were very clear on their, this company yeah. They were very yeah. clear on their analyst day and in their meetings that, hey, just remember that this was an extraordinary item. This right. is not yeah. part of our core business. Which is why the stock is attractive. Yeah, and we don't underwrite any COVID-related revenues whatsoever when we're looking at a company. We just take them out completely. Uh, it's on your own list, not not on your buy list, because you own the Joe T, and, and Joe has it in the T. So you have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and Joe, I want to talk to you about you know there. some of the sales you made. All right, Kerry, uh, yeah. trimming, yeah. Booking Holdings, yeah. uh, Booz Allen, Hamilton, Sherwin Williams, which just got upgraded today to a buy from Jeffries. Yeah. Wabtech and Waste Connections. Why trimming some of those some of those names? Well, some of them are uh, defense. There's a defense contractor. I think Wabtech big beneficiary of the infrastructure bill. If there's any adjustments to that, that could affect it. Um, Sherwin, look, it's it's cyclical. It's a big position. We've owned it for years, and we we just felt that the weight was too high right now, and if construction or renovations, though we heard from Home Depot, we heard from Lowe's, um, I, I think that it was the might move, and Booking's been just a great stock, so we, we decided to trim it. All right. Uh, let's get the headlines now with Contessa Brewer. Hi, Contessa. Hi there, Scott. We're watching new details come in on convicted murderer Alex Murdoch. He's now been indicted on 22 financial fraud charges. Murdoch admitted earlier this month that he invented the details surrounding a deadly trip and fall accident involving his housekeeper in order to receive millions of dollars in a settlement. Attorneys for the former South Carolina lawyer say they anticipate these new charges will be resolved without a trial. The House of Representatives will vote today on a Republican measure to block the president's student debt relief program and end the Biden administration's pause on federal student loan payments. That measure is unlikely to pass in the Senate, but the Supreme Court, of course, is also weighing the legality of that debt relief program. And the USS Gerald Ford sailed into Norway today ahead of planned NATO exercises. Those exercises with the world's largest aircraft carrier are a show of force at a time of heightened tension between NATO and Russia, and the Russian embassy criticized that exercise. Scott? Okay, Contessa, thank you. That's Contessa Brewer. Coming up, two bullish calls on another healthcare stock today that's up more than 10% in the past month. We debate that. Do it next. There it is, call of the day. 
It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. Right, stocks are pretty much at the lows of the day. I wanted to highlight that uh, for you as you were just looking at the board. Yields continue to rise. It's putting some pressure on stocks. Dow's down nearly 300 points. Lilly, though, uh, bucking that trend. Uh, there, there's the market picture just to keep you up to date. Uh, not quite 1% losses on the Dow and the S&P, but not that far away. NASDAQ, as you see, as well as the Russell, are in that 1% decline territory. Yields on the 10-year, there's 373. Uh, so you got, you know, Bonds down, yields up. That's what that's showing you right there, and it's pretty much the case for the entire curve. So we'll, we'll keep you up to date on all that. Uh, Lilly today got a couple of bullish calls. Price target raised to 498 at UBS. Price target raised to 500 at B of A. Stock's up slightly today in an otherwise down tape. Joe T, you own it. You know, I keep talking about this stock, and I continue to believe it's trading like a biotech. The stock is up 35% since early March. A lot of that is on the excitement and potential favorability towards Alzheimer drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, and it trades, you know, at a valuation that is somewhat for big pharma rich, uh, nearly 59 times. But again, it's being treated as a biotech. It's got very strong momentum. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these price targets up near $500, they sound somewhat rich. But don't you think it's but the they weight are, loss? But they are, well, today's, today's news is, but I think overall the last several months has been around this, this, the excitement around so, drugs. So let me, let me ask you, and just to, just to tee you up, okay, um, you used to run the healthcare and biotech, biotech fund business. at Fidelity. Right. Okay? So you know the space better than anybody. How would you, <laughs> how would you assess, including Joe, how would you assess the stocks right here? Would, would you buy them? If you didn't have them in your fund, do you, which ones do you own, do you like, and which ones wouldn't you put in? Yeah. So we don't own any of the big pharma. Um, and what I would say in Lily's case, particularly because it has been by far the best performing of the uh, pharmaceutical companies. And it's one, and gosh, you know, I really wish that I had got on the... Um, uh, the diabetes drug bandwagon because amazing the billions of dollars in revenue they're going to earn um, for an injectable diabetes drug that you have to take for the rest of your life in yeah. order to keep that weight off. But that's going to be the biggest franchise in the world, these drugs. Uh, in terms of um, Alzheimer's, uh, this has been a drug in development for 25 plus years. It's, it's reducing the amyloid plaque in people's brain. It's similar to what the Biogen drug, the Eastside drugs have done. They have had mixed success, as we know. There's been approvals. There's been a lot of pushback from both uh, caregivers and payers. So whether this one is better, I don't know. It's, it's a very risky situation. And therefore, I, I, I think we would say it's, uh, it's a stock that we would not, uh, we would not buy right what, here. What jumps out to me the most is for you to say, we don't own any big pharma stocks as somebody who used to run a big healthcare fund. 
What's the statement in that? Well, because they're not growing. They haven't had any big breakthrough products. They're all selling for 8 to 11 times earnings, except for Lilly, because there really hasn't been innovation, despite spending, you know, 14% of, of sales on R&D. It's been amazingly Mark's disappointing. Yeah, correct. It has. But, you know, they better get something to replace Keytruda because, you know, we're, earnings are going down. Well, you had a lot. I mean, AbbVie, the IBB, Merck, United Health, uh, Bristol-Myers, Hologic, Humana, Insight. Yeah, a lot of a lot of healthcare. A lot of that is from the 2022 performance. Uh, a lot of positive momentum there. Personally, I own the IBB. I think right now the, the biotech industry is, is the right industry in this type of environment where we're somewhat searching for growth overall. So that was my way to play uh, the biotechs. Okay, uh, for more on the Eli Lilly trade, you can go to cnbc.com slash pro. And if you aren't a pro member, sign up now at a special rate. You can scan the QR code on your screen and do just that. There it is, six months for the sale price of $124.99. Coming up, a few more stocks to watch ahead of this earnings uh, week, ahead of earnings this week. We have your setup next. All right, we got some earnings coming up that we need to talk about as well. Uh, Autodesk is tomorrow in overtime. Carrie, you own this. Joe, you do too. Uh, Carrie, you first though. Yeah, so we think that uh, sales earnings are going to grow kind of in that 8% and 10% range. It's obviously been hurt because of construction and the weakness there. Their software provided, they're very affected by engineering, construction, building. And if interest rates are peaking and starting to come down at the end of the year, that would be good for the industry. That would be good for Autodesk. And it's been an underperformer, but we, we think right here is, is a good entry point. Joseph. Needs a little bit of a, a, a momentum jolt. Yeah. Uh, car- carries spot <laughs> on sure. with the assessment of this company. Yeah, it's a market uh, performer this yeah, year, right? It's, it's up 4%. And, and it's a software yeah. company that, you know, if you think about it, should be doing a lot better yeah, overall really in this yeah. environment. It trades at 50 times. They need to see something really positive in yeah. this earnings report to kind of yeah. uh, act as a catalyst. What about Costco and Ulta? These which, are important. Uh, well, co- listen, I think. you own and both are also tomorrow after I, the I think Costco is incredibly important. They've signaled already you've got a much uh, more or a cost-conscious consumer. Now, you know, if you think about the idiosyncratics surrounding Costco, they should be okay. They have a very loyal member base. The only risk there is do they raise the fee at some point you know, on members. Why, why hasn't they done better? Why hasn't the consumer's been they resilient? Quarter because they had a bad quarter, because big ticket items are not being sold. It's all about selling right. food and, and, and staples and the necessities. It's not about purchasing things that you want. Best Buy is going to report. You're going to hear the same thing from Best Buy. So big box retailers are challenged in this environment. I think consumer discretionary and consumer staples overall are challenged in this environment. It's remarkable because you could look at consumer discretionary and say, oh, it's up as a sector 15% year to date. Okay, take out Amazon, Tesla, and also the home builders and casinos because that's where all the performance is coming from. It's home builders and casinos, Amazon and Tesla. The rest of consumer discretionary is struggling. Joe, thank you for providing that introduction to my soon-to-be insightful comments. (laughs) Costco, to me, is more important to the market than NVIDIA because it's going to tell you, because they attract both the low-end consumer and the higher-end consumer. And they're going to tell you if the higher-end is not the LVMH consumer, but the normal high-end consumer, if they're trading down, and they're going to tell you if the lower-end consumer is spending less. So I think it's really important from an economic standpoint and the future of the economy. 
Surat, no, no discretionary exposure outside of perhaps the Amazons of the world, or very, what? Very minimal. A high consumer staples exposure, more defensive. But you know, to Joe's no point, no Costco, no Costco. Why? Uh, just. It hasn't been cheap, hasn't come down to kind of the price that we want it. It's a great company, but if it comes back like these others, we would buy it. Okay. Uh, we'll step away a couple minutes. We'll come back, and Mike Santoli joins us with his midday word next. Our senior markets commentator, Mike Santoli, joins us now for his midday word. Uh, it's the same midday word, I, f- I feel, right? Because it's the same stories. We're, we're watching the debt ceiling and we're watching interest rates. Yeah, we are. Um, Obviously, tension building, uh, there's no way to deny that those are the things that are uh, shadowing this market, although it's tough to separate it out from what would probably have been a week when you needed to see the market pull back anyway, right? The NASDAQ 100 uh, finished last week as overbought as it had been near recent uh, tactical highs, S&P at the top end of the range. So you do have this kind of messy post-options expiration setting for, granted, what is also uh, another dose of uncertainty certainty and suspense around the debt ceiling. The contortions in the bond market we talk about all the time. It's mostly mechanical, but it definitely has an effect. So uh, I think it's really the struggle is, is it just going to be a sort of routine pullback that you would otherwise have anticipated or something deeper? Right now, it's in the routine zone, but uh, we'll see if it gets looser than that. I mean, it's also hard to, to know uh, whether, you know, people like Chris Waller, Fed governor talking about, you know, they sound hawkish, obviously, and he's not the first of this week. Many have if if it's just simply trying to talk the market off the idea of cuts or if they literally think that they might raise interest rates again, even if they pause in June. I think it's an honest reflection of their lack of clarity. So I really do think it gets to be a close call when you get toward the end of a tightening cycle or toward the target that they assume they needed to get to. You, you naturally have, you know, 5149 calls on the next move, especially when you're a few weeks out. So I do think that they're not interested in trying to sound any kind of an all clear for investors. And they're succeeding in that for sure. Yeah. All right, Mike, I'll see you in a couple hours yeah. on uh, Closing Bell. That's Mike Santoli. Grade My Trade is up next. We're right back. for grade my trade uh joe you're up first okay uh from a twitter user on barrett gold bought gold at 1487 nice 30 percent gain what do i do take profits or do i hold a little longer take profits you own the gld at, at a minimum sell half yeah well i own the gld which is sitting nicely above the 100 day moving average if you look at barrick it's hugging the 200 day ready to break down I don't like owning the miners. I like owning gold itself or the gold ETF. You play it through GLD. I would sell the position, buy some GLD, or sell half, or do something. But I don't like the uh, barrack exposure. Okay, carry to you uh, from Steve, not Weiss. I bought Salesforce at 135. Awesome. Right, so trades up huge. You own it. So yeah. now, what do you? What do you advise? Well, Steve, if this is a big part of your portfolio, maybe trim a little back. But we haven't sold any yet because we think there's still plenty of upside when software starts to come back. I mean, it's been in a recession, and we know they're doing an awful lot of cost cutting to help margins. So I think it's about sizing, but A plus on your trade. Okay. Also from Twitter, Surat, PayPal. A user bought PayPal at 99 bucks. Wants to know if they should sell PayPal and buy Alphabet. 
So I would keep PayPal at these levels. We own it. We're just waiting for the new CEO to come on, see what the strategy is. They have a great products. I, I would buy Alphabet separately, but I wouldn't sell PayPal to buy Alphabet. All right, what about Uber, Weiss? Uh, Joe, not Terranova, bought Uber at 34.12. Continue to hold. Uh, says I'm a long-term investor. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I bought it a little higher than that. Um, Obviously, you could trade up 10% in a challenging market. I think over the long term, it goes well. I mean, as I said before, it's virtually a monopoly. I mean, hopefully, Lyft, for my friends at Lyft, can make that work. But right now, I think it's it's very tough going for them. And Uber is the one to play. And, and the CEO has just done, he doesn't get enough credit for the turnaround that he's executed on this. Uh, so I like it quite a bit. Surat, you own it too? I own it too, and I think, to your point, the management team there has really focused the business on cash flow. And they, they called that out 18 months ago, and every quarter they have proved that. And they have basically become the verb. It's like, are you taking an Uber, right? It used to be, do you want a Coke or a Kleenex? So I do think they're they're executing, and, and we, we like the stock, and we'll buy it at these levels too. All right, uh, we will do a quick break, and we'll come back and do final trades next. Well, it's going to be all about NVIDIA and walking you right up to that critical earnings report when I see you on the closing bell at 3 o'clock Eastern time. Stacey Raskon, top chip analyst, is going to tell you what you need to be looking for. Malcolm Etheridge is with us. Bryn Talkington owns NVIDIA, so you get the investor perspective as well. Frank Holland covering Snowflake ahead of that earnings report. Closely watched as well for the software space. Alicia Levine will join us too, and I hope you will, just a couple hours from now. All right, Weiss, start us off. My, my name notice, noticeably final, absent final from that trades. roster. Yeah. Final trades. United Health. I like it for all the reasons. As you can see, it's defensive in this kind of market. Another reason to like the stock. So I think it's oversold at this point. It'll go back over 500. Sure. Okay, Surat? I'm going back to Uber. I mean, we talked about it briefly. I think this is the stock that you want to own, uh, especially with the market being a little volatile. You own Uber as well, right, Joe? I do. I'd like to see a little bit more. Josh owns Uber. You I'd like to Uber. see a little bit more positive momentum so the growth funds come in and buy it. Yeah. Okay. Joey, give me a final trade, please. EQT. I bought EQT a while back. Um, I think it's beginning to break out a little, have a tight stop below 32. Okay. Uh, Carrie Firestone. Uh, Amazon. If it turns out we don't have a recession, very good for consumer spending. All right. So let's touch the market here. Dow's down 250. Uh, we're obviously watching the latest on the debt ceiling talks. You heard the speaker a little bit earlier, just before we came on the air. Uh, doesn't sound like they're close. Political posturing, probably. Some spin from both sides, probably. Uh, we'll see if they can come to a deal before that uh, supposed January, uh, January, June 1st deadline. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. All opinions expressed by the Halftime Report participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information the Halftime Report participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Halftime Report Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Halftime Report Disclaimer.
It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions.